Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up with Bruce McLeod from Sabina Gold and Silver today uh, to hear his story. They're nearing a construction decision. So if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, what they're up to, and of course the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports, the summaries from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos on there and summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you a little bit of time. Of course, there's our thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe environment. Um, and you should go along there now and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Bruce, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Good to have you on. It's been a while. Busy year for you boys. Uh, you know, look, it's been a year where we've had to be pretty adaptive and, and, and make some changes given the circumstances. But I think, you know, I'm pretty proud of the team that we have that we've been able to, uh, to keep forward momentum going. Do you think COVID means that companies are having to work harder? CEOs like you are having to work harder? We have to work differently is, um, you know, I, I, you know, as most CEOs of, of, of junior companies that rely on the, the equity capital markets, you know, traditionally we've had to spend a lot of time on the road, meeting funds, meeting uh, investors. Uh, um, and, you know, we've been able to adapt and, uh, and, and, and do it like we're doing right now on a Zoom call. Uh, or, or teams, and there's you know there's a, another five platforms, blue jeans that I wasn't even familiar with the name of uh, uh, in in November of last year. That um, I think in a lot of ways we're we're working more efficiently. Um, but what the real challenge is 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 the collaborative part of the business where you've got five people sitting in a in a in a room, you know, working and sol uh, solving a problem. Um, those sort of things are, the, I think, the most uh, difficult ones that we've uh, had to adapt through and work through. And 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 frankly, we kind of miss. And, and, and just the interaction of people one on one, rather than you know, I've got to say that the the tedium of of working remotely, it's uh, it, it's all been adaptive. And believe me, I think we're all waiting for this to end. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Um, well, the reason I ask that is because so we we should get in and talk about the company in a second. But the reason I ask that, I, sure. I sometimes say with junior companies like you're you know you're getting up there, eight hundred fifty million market cap, right? Um, that CEOs would disappear on the road. By that, I mean, yeah, they were going to client uh, meetings abroad. They were going to a two-day conference or whatever, but they would take five days to do it. And that means that they probably, you know, they weren't around, you know, to, uh, you know, do the work, which I want them to be doing with my money. Well, look, it's, it, 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 I've got to say, as someone who uh, had a, a pretty aggressive travel schedule for the last five years is the best part about COVID is I don't have an aggressive travel schedule. You know, I'm spending more time with my family. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, to be honest, I'm working longer hours. Um, uh, yeah, but it's it's more, it, it, there's a lot of things that are more efficient, some that aren't. And again, that collaborative part of it most uh, 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 being the biggest one. Um, but, you know, we're, I think this has changed how we're doing business going forward. Um, but, you know, back to your question is, is you know, going to, uh, the UK and, uh, you know, going on a red eye uh, and uh, being fresh to be able to do meetings and then coming home and then back in the saddle uh, on the next day. Uh, you know, I, you know, the, the, those are, I'm kind of glad that uh, those are 
uh, going to be uh, less frequently going forward. Hey, well, I, I hope so. So I think for some companies, you know, smaller than you, less capital than you, um, need to perhaps start thinking like that for sure. Anyway, let's get into talking about the uh, company. So first of all, why don't you kick off with that compulsory one minute overview of the business, then I'll pick it up from there. Sabina is uh, a gold explorer who has transitioned now to uh, to a developer. Um, uh, two assets, one being our uh, active asset, which is the Back River Gold District. And we've been advancing that. It's an 80-kilometer-long banded iron formation uh, gold-hosted uh, a property complex. And uh, total resources of uh, a little over 5.2 million ounces at 6 grams in measured and indicated another 2 million ounces of inferred within that uh, belt. Uh, we've advanced those uh, through feasibility. We're now fully permitted and uh, uh, with additional exploration over the last several years and a lot of success, we are now on the cusp of um, releasing uh, new resources, new reserves and a new feasibility um, that will showcase that uh, the property is getting bigger and getting better. In addition, we have the uh, passive asset, which is a royalty on the Hackett um, um, uh, polymetallic silver deposit, which again is in southwestern Nunavut. Right. Talk to me about this year, Bruce, because like you're at that stage where you're at construction contract review stage. So you, the kind of the boring bit is over for the market. You're at the point where you're going to actually start. Uh, you're, you're preparing grounds as it stands. But where? are you with let's start with the, that contract review well uh, you know back to where are we is 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 everybody likes to talk about the lasan curve and that and that yeah. and that down period and permitting the rest well we're now in that in that part that starts poking its head up and actually is is uh, can be very creative um so we are in the midst also of, of detailed engineering so you've got a feasibility for a lay person that's a concept that's a concept um you've got basic engineering which is uh, 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 an artist's rendering. And they got detailed engineering, which is actually your IFC or issued earth construction drawings and your blueprints. So we are moving in parallel with the feasibility, the detailed engineering. The detailed engineering for the full project will come probably about two months after uh, the delivery of the feasibility. Um, but we're, we're taking those um, issued for construction drawings and from those what they call MTOs, material takeoff quantities, that you're able to do a much better estimate um, in, uh, in, in your feasibility numbers. Uh, but also um, for going forward with a construction contract, rather than somebody you know, estimating um, um, you know, quantities is now they actually have a list of quantities. And, and, and what we can do is we can offlay some of that risk now to those uh, constructors that, um, that they're not gonna have that additional cushion of, uh, of, of, of materials. And, and believe me, the, the most challenging part of our project is not the resource, the reserves, the metallurgy, it's infrastructure and logistics and getting things there. So we have to be much tighter on our quantities um, that we're bringing to site, particularly anything that we can't fly in that we miss. Um, because that could cause an 18-month delay for the wrong key item that we can't deliver uh, um, other than by, uh, by sea and by land. Yeah, I, I mean, I get, I get the military precision component of it. Um, and just maybe talk about none of it. Uh, it's not just weather and location, right? Lo location there. I mean, have you had issues around COVID this year? How's that affected things? 
Well, uh, Nunavut is, uh, until recently, has been very, um, uh, uh, there's been very few uh, uh, cases or no cases until recently uh, in in Nunavut. And what's happened is in a lot of the communities, they're smaller, they're isolated. You know, it's, it's 20, 25 below um, for most of these communities. So people are indoors together. And so we've seen, unfortunately, uh, uh, explosive uh, rates uh, of COVID. Now, one of the things that Nunavut did very early is limit um, uh, any uh, any interaction with those communities. So even though there were in Nunavut, is uh, we don't actually interact with those communities at this stage. Um, you know, some of our employees that would come from those communities, unfortunately, um, because of those restrictions, are, are are not working on our site. Um, and but what we've done is is put in a a, a very prescriptive uh, testing procedure that we bring everybody to marshalling points. We actually do full testing on them before they hop on the uh, and come on the flights to site. Because think of us as one of those northern communities. If we ended up with an outbreak on our site, um, that uh, it would uh, it would go through camp uh, uh, very quickly. Um, and you know, look, we do not have our our, our permanent camp in. So you know, we are uh, dealing with you know uh, uh, a little more rustic. Um, um, accommodation and, uh, and and other facilities. I mean, just people are actually closer together. So what we've had to do under COVID is is accept some inefficiencies in exchange for uh, working safely, and that is reducing the number of people in our camp. So we've been really at half our our, our traditional capacity, um, and unfortunately, running a camp of that size is the same. You know, for the overhead cost, uh, whether you've got fifty or hundred people in it, and what it does is actually adds to our unit costs of all our other activities. So it has been difficult. It has been challenging. It's not something that uh, we're going to get away from unscathed. You know, from a safety perspective, we have. We're still on site. We expect uh, to be demobilizing after we finish the preparations in the box for the box cut for going underground and be out uh, around the 14th. I think in December is, is what our final demobilization date is. So again, adaptive. Um, uh, uh, safety is our priority of our people, and uh, accept some of those higher costs uh, for these some of these pre-development activities in order to achieve that. But the higher, higher costs, what does that actually equate to? Is it significantly higher costs for you, or is it just higher costs for this particular portion of your budget? For this particular portion, and and it is it is hundreds of thousands of dollars over a millions of dollars of budget. So, look, it's not insignificant, but you know we don't uh, uh, generate cash. So every dollar that we spend has to be by issued equity and what we obviously think is a management team is a discount, or you know taking debt on at, at a very high rate. And uh, so you know we we have a management culture of spending money like it's our own and, and we're on a, on a tight leash. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you referenced, you know, where you are on the Lausanne curve and I think your share price would, uh, chart would uh, probably reflect that too. But something that you're not able to control is how long this COVID goes on for and how it's going to affect your business and when, fi- you know, financing is going to be in place and what it's going to cost you. So, how are you mapping out and planning for you know 2021? Because after what has been quite a challenging year, 2021. Um, if we are to make a, uh, a construction decision early in 2021, which with a new feasibility and and, uh, and the balance that we are certainly hoping that uh, that is uh, going to happen, 
is 2021 is actually a relatively light year for construction and on-site operations. Um, it's continuing with the underground ramp. Um, we'll have the, the, the site preparation of the uh, plant, uh, process plant, crusher, uh, fuel tank farm, and accommodation complex. Most of the road network between those is, is largely complete now. Um, and it's procurement. And it's procurement for those first things that have to come in the sea lift in, in the late summer of 2021. And the bigger risk for everybody right now is uh, global supply chain. So I, I'm sure that you've been to your local store and there's some favorite thing that you go for and, you, and you've said, you know, where is it? And you go to your shopkeeper and they say, geez, we haven't been able to get it. Well, it's the same with, 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 with uh, uh, industrial supplies. Um, there's certain things that normally were, are, are, are just on time delivery. You can put your order in two weeks ahead that now you've got to think ahead six or nine months. Um, so that is the bigger risk for any construction project right now. It's, it, and, and you've got people, you know, with, with, look, with a vaccine on the way, we expect um, there to be it to be safer, um, a lot of those issues. But the supply chain is not going to go away. There's been some financial damage done um, to our system. And, uh, and, and that's going to take some time to, uh, to remedy. Well, I think most gold companies are praying for that. Um, but we should stick, stick on your company here because um, have you got any debt? I'm a good Scotsman. I, I, I don't believe in debt until you have an avenue of paying that debt back. So, you know, debt, what we are doing is, is, is I think I've already mentioned, we're advancing a new feasibility. It's going to be a larger project. It's going to be more gold on an annual basis and on a life of mine basis. And um, uh, a lot of that is, is from some of these higher grade areas that we've successfully explored since our feasibility and we'll deliver those earlier in the mine plan. Um, and uh, that's certainly going to help the economics of the project. Um, but, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of other things that we can do to actually deliver this and make it a better project uh, going forward. Um, and, uh, but we've also been uh, 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 moving our debt process along in parallel. So we've got a fundamentally different project today than we had when we ran the debt project, uh, the debt process last time. It, it, look, it is going to be a higher capital cost, um, uh, but on, if we look at it on a per ounce basis, um, it's still going to be a, a, a much better project in terms of uh, in terms of total capital uh, per per ounce. Um, so what we're doing is is we've gone back to many of those uh, potential debt providers. They're under confidentiality. So as we are completing modules of our feasibility, we hope to be able to deliver them um, um, sooner than we can to the public. So when we issue a feasibility uh, and behind that, um, um, we hope that we can have the debt package in place shortly uh, uh, after that. Right. And, and any idea of this, what that's going to cost you? I mean, do you think it's more expensive now than it will be, say, this, you know, in the new year in Q1, Q2? Look, it's, uh, it, 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 it's not like, you know, uh, 25 BIPs is going to uh, make a bank uh, or a lender feel better if there's a fundamental flaw in your project. And one of the things that we have to make sure is that, you know, those key elements that we need, particularly for the first sea uh, lift um, and those that are coming afterwards, that look, have we, have we estimated um, their delivery times uh, accurately and precisely? Um, can we receive them? Um, and if we can't receive them, do we have some uh, plans to mitigate and how could we maybe fly in some of that equipment? So it's really those things that, that, that could in fact be binary um, uh, for a from a lender's perspective, that we have to make sure that 
again, using your word, that there's some military precision in uh, in being able to deliver those. And do you think, I know you've got a, you've got a bit, how much, how much cash are you sitting on at the moment, actually? Is that? Uh, we're, we're now, I think our last uh, financials in the neighborhood of 60 million Canadian. About 60 million Canadian, okay. So I mentioned how you intend to spend that. I mean, you've got a big resource measured indicator. You've got a big measured indicator, an inferred resource. You know, it, it's big enough to get going. Um, but you're still talking about expansion and infill and any expiration. I'm just trying to wonder what are the messages you're trying to send to the marketplace about? Well, I think right now is that we have what I believe is the premier development, uh, uh, gold development project in Canada that isn't owned by a, a major mid-tier. Um, uh, in terms of uh, quality ounces, in terms of annual production, is you know what our goal is is uh, is is to take this from something that is two hundred thousand ounces and move it to something that is you know uh, at or close to three hundred thousand ounces a year uh, in terms of annual production, particularly in those early years. Um, that is a rare animal in today's uh, gold environment. There hasn't been discoveries. Um, a lot of these assets uh, uh, happen to be you know further from uh, from uh, first world jurisdictions. Um, and, you know, we talked before about, about the north, about cold. Um, those things are, are, you can deal with. You know, you, you, you can specify equipment that operates in the cold. You've got to accept some downtime um, when you've got weather delays and, 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 and extreme cold um, and, and some costs associated with those. But it's the logistics and the infrastructure are things that we have to overcome. And there's a reason that we have taken a lot of extra time to build our port facility to build and operate our winter ice road and uh, and and operate from our uh, uh, consolidation points in 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 uh, in the lower Canada, is because those were the questions that lenders were most concerned about. So rather than saying, "Hey, I've got a paper study, don't worry about it, we can do it," we're now in a position that we say, "Hey, we've done it, and here's our here's exactly what we, we've been able to achieve." You know, let's use that in a financial model rather than some you know, uh, uh, imaginary worst case that uh, we don't believe would happen. Right. You've actually touched upon the thing I did want to talk to you about, which is the fact that, you know, this is getting to be the sort of size that a major might be interested in. And the, with the infrastructure in place, it makes it a much easier conversation. But it, what I'm trying to understand is the picture that you're trying to paint. Because as, you know, if you're a geologist, you want to do things the right way and you want to know as much as you can. You've got whatever it is, something 568,000 meters into this thing. You know a lot. Um, but at the same time, you've got to be clear about what your business plan is. Are you trying to pretty yourself up for a major to come in and say, right, you guys take over? Or is this your thing that you're going to mine? You're pouring gold, in which case... How do you spend your sixty million bucks? Do you get into do you get into uh, cash flow quickly and then come back to this kind of expansion expiration component? Because you've got a lot, you've got a big land package there. So, how are you approaching this? Well, our, the strategy that's been developed by our board and uh, uh, with support of the executive is simply let's affect what we can control. We can't control a premium bid. Um, on something that uh, takes a full value of this uh, land package into account. We, we, we can't affect that. What we can do is deliver all of the attributes that show where we're going to go. Um, so what do we do? It, it's, it's, it's almost like, and I think I've, you said this before with you, it's almost like the rule of Italian driving. Take your rear view mirror off, put your foot on the gas, 
and go forward and win the race. So it, we are doing what we can control and that's deliver a project that we think uh, delivers the most value. And when we talk about uh, additional uh, throughput, additional, uh, uh, or uh, sorry, additional goal production, it's still on that 3000 ton a day case that we had in our last feasibility. We are envisioning an expansion in year five uh, on this feasibility. Um, but really from initial capital, what the change is, is, you know, maybe there's some areas where we're a little more realistic uh, looking at the costs in, you know, because we've done a better job of, of, of risk assessment on what, what can go wrong and should we put some additional mitigation dollars in there to try and prevent that? Let's, let's get it done right the first time. Um, uh, but, uh, and going underground early is, is, is certainly adds some, some additional capital. But, you know, if we look at, you know, even 50,000 additional ounces uh, on an annual basis, you know, that's over $100 million Canadian uh, on an annual basis. Um, and if that's sustainable, um, if you look at the overall metrics of the project, it'll be a better project. So, look, M&A is something that we obviously have, a, 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 a we'll call it a, a contingency plan for, and we're prepared for if it does happen. But that is not our strategy. That is not something we affect, can affect. That's something more you have to be reactive to be able to deal with. And look, we're open to having those discussions at the appropriate time. But, you know, it has to take into account the full value of the asset. And what our job is, is to deliver to the marketplace what that is, not only conceptually, but in terms of an actual project that can deliver those ounces and produce uh, and do it safely to, uh, to the environment, to all the stakeholders, to our shareholders. Okay. So right now, you've got a lot of cash. I'm looking at the numbers um, that you're, you're putting out. Seems fantastic. Life's easy, right? No problems. I, you know, I, I, I'm glad it looks that way too. <laughs> it look, it look, it's it's, it, is it easy? Uh, no, uh, but you know, I think if we look at our management team, what we can all say is, is actually fun. Uh, like you know, we're now into the part that you know. Look, I, I'm not a geologist. I'm a mining engineer. Um, we're now into the in, into into the part that that you know gets me excited, and our, and our team also. Now we've got one of the best exploration teams out there, and um, and uh, you know the amount of success that they've been able to deliver us uh, is 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 unparalleled. If we look, take a look at V two, um, which is you know the new subset uh, on a high grade area just under the pit, um, you know we're seeing three, four, five, six hundred gram meters uh, interceptions intercepts, um, and uh, and within several hundred meters of surface. Um, you know, those sort of things are the, what, what are the difference between a good mine and a great mine. And we, there's more of those that we uh, uh, are very confident that we're going to be able to deliver. But do you think the market understands that? You know, it's not a case of like, get on with it, start producing some cash and come back to stand the exploration guys down. Um, you know, you know, they can do a good job, but... Or do you say, no, actually, we're going to run those in parallel because the exploration bit is cheap. I mean, how do you approach that conundrum? Well, exploration isn't as much as people wish it was artificial intelligence. That you take uh, a data set and it'll tell you where to drill. Um, you know what it is? It's human intelligence. And you talked before about 568,000 meters of core that's been drilled. Well, really what has happened is all of that money has been what we have put into our team, and that is the human intelligence that we've been able to develop. 
if if we have explorers that aren't exploring, uh, it's like me. Uh, you know what gets what gets me up out of bed every morning is the same for the geological team. They need they need a project that they can actually go and they can deliver. And look in the grand scheme of things, our exploration budgets for the most part have averaged about five million dollars a year, eight hundred and fifty million dollar market cap. Do you think you know it, it's a fairly simple question? Do you think they've delivered more than five million dollars worth of value a year? I think you could even answer that. Even like no, I don't say that in a bad way, so sorry. <laughs> but look, I think it's it's very simple. So if we can continue to add value, and if it wasn't for that expiration, we wouldn't be able to deliver the kind of project that we anticipate delivering uh, in in Q one of next year. That is something that is you know again. Uh, near that 300,000 or close to that 300,000 ounce a year uh, of production. And we've got a large land package. Um, you know, we're now starting to look at, you know, where else in the package should we focus on once we start development at, uh, at, uh, uh, at Goose. It, it is a dual path, but it's, you know, the big one is project development, moving this forward to cash flow. This, the smaller component is continue uh, to add value at the drill bit um, and expiration. So, Look, I don't think anybody should be confused that it's expiration is not first, it's second. Um, because it, at the end of the day, real value isn't going to be delivered until we're uh, uh, pour, uh, pouring gold. And uh, we think that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. But yeah, you're up 25% on the year from the beginning of the year to now. Okay. I'm not going to count from from March as some, some CEOs sure. like me too. Um, so, you know, that's that's you know, a great achievement, but you can sort of see why people in the market is asking, you know, when are you going to make that construction decision? When, how long is that going to take? When are you going to be able to start producing your own cash? Which gives you a whole set of different problems, right? But, you know, fantastic problems. Um, and, and that's the answer. That's the big question that was sent into us by, you know, literally, you know, hundreds of people going, you know, when do these guys get going? Because, they want to know if they come in now or they wait just that little bit longer because not much is going to move until you're, you've made that construction uh, decision. And which, in which case, you know, when precisely should they be thinking about getting back into this story? Look, I think the biggest uh, 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 change that we're going to be able to deliver is delivering a better project. Um, and, and again, that'll be, you know, by mid quarter one, we expect uh, on new feasibility. That, that feasibility, all the components of that are already permitted, so it's not something we have to go back for. That will be the basis of a production decision going forward. Right. And what, even, you know, we, we've looked at it strategically. Even if we continue to have an expiration success, we don't see the project changing at Goose. Um, uh, a lot of that is going to be tail reserve, you know, what's going to happen on the, on, the, on the back end of the mine life. And, you know, we felt strongly enough that, you know, again, by delivering higher grade, if we can make this a project that can absorb even more risk than our last project, you know, that's what it's going to take to be able to get not only the lenders involved, but the equity market uh, um, uh, uh, involved and wanting to finance this with a production decision. At the end of the day is we would like nothing better than having a construction decision today. The reality is until we have that delivered and we can deliver the merits of this new project, the lenders are, are, are on standby and the equity holders are on are, are wait and see. So uh, look, we can, we can want to do everything we do. And believe me, that is our desire, but we have to be able to deliver those components and they have to go through, you know, stress testing 
by you know the lenders and the rest. Uh, and we still have a timeline of uh, of, of uh, uh, early uh, mid twenty twenty one to make that decision. Okay, fine. Um, can we talk about your polymetallic project? Uh, well, Hackett is is really a, a, a zinc and is the uh, is the largest uh, component. There's a little bit of copper and lead, uh, it, and uh, we have a silver uh, royalty on Hackett, and um, uh, it is twenty two and a half percent of the first one hundred and ninety million ounces of silver that are produced uh, in in a royalty form. And, and by the way, that's that's effectively the resource. And then as a sweetener to us is, is 12.5% uh, thereafter. We have no control over the timing of that project. It's owned by Glencore. Um, and uh, if and when they advance that project, it will you know, uh, be a, a, a big financial windfall for, for our shareholders. But they're not in a rush to do so. They've got their own problems up there. I think that uh, Glencore um, is, uh, uh, has been very clear that uh, they don't think that mining companies should build mines. Um, you know, look, their DNA, I think everybody recognizes, is they're a, a trading company more so than a mining company. And, um, but they're also very commercial. Um, and if there is something that is in their portfolio that isn't achieving full potential, um, uh, I would only assume that there's discussions about how do we uh, maximize value of, of, of that asset and having it sitting uh, on uh, uh, on the sidelines in a uh, market that looks certainly much more attractive for zinc. We, we're, we're looking at, at, at zinc uh, deficits now being uh, forecast and uh, uh, it, it would be one of the best silver uh, mines, uh, I think, uh, in, in, in first world jurisdiction. So there, there's there I'd be very surprised if there wasn't some discussion internally about uh, how do they uh, how do they generate value for that asset okay so can you answer me this question because I'm, I'm this is the bit i'm struggling with as an investor looking at your company you go really well run the numbers look fantastic it looks pretty you know well valued at the moment you're going to argue different <laughs> good and you know i'm trying to i'm trying to work out you know do i invest in you or do i look at some of these more highly leveraged uh, place, you know, who, you know, the companies are, you know, worth a lot less in terms of market cap earlier stage, sure, but there seems to be a lot of money to be made elsewhere. Why should we invest in you? Look, uh, different people go to Las Vegas and then and play different uh, methodologies. If you want to go to a roulette table and put it all on number 27 and you got 30 to 1 uh, to 1 odds, I, I understand that. Now, you have to understand the risks that, you know, out of, out of 30 different uh, uh, or 31 depends if there's one or two zeros on the table is you're going to lose it all. But, you know, for someone that has a thesis of, look, I want to be involved in the gold equity market. I want to have something that has limited downside, um, but has still has great upside um, that, you know, uh, you know, this is, 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 is playing poker um, uh and, and knowing what uh, everybody else at the table uh, and being able to read other people at the table, your, your odds are much better. Maybe you're, you're not going to have the 31 to one, uh, but you know, it's a different investing strategy. Um, look, when we talk about valuation, I think you're right. Based on our last feasibility, um, looking at peers, um, uh, there is, uh, we're, we're, we're relatively uh, well valued. You know, I still think if we look historically, companies like ours would try trade at close to 0.8 times NAV, we're probably 0.5, 0.6 where we are today. 
but on what we are going to be delivering, what we anticipate delivering, is something that has much more uh, uh, um, uh, value. That, again, from the risk element, all we're really doing is bringing in one underground early um, and uh, 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 you know, next spring, uh, we will be collaring. Uh, we've, uh, we've got the equipment on site. Uh, we're just wrapping up the box cut, which is a preparation, uh, uh, the face, uh, uh, so we can go underground in the spring. Um, you know, we still believe there's a lot more value to be delivered. And by the way, our, our largest land package in terms of, uh, of, 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 uh, gold bearing iron formation is actually the George property, which is 50 kilometers away. Um, and we've got about four times the iron formation uh, than we do at, uh, at at the Goose property, where you know we're we're we're, we're developing and moving forward. Um, you know that is likely our second standalone mine uh, in our mines, and we have yet to be able to deliver any value because we haven't been on the uh, on the ground on that one in in well since before I, I became CEO of the company I'm six years ago. So we have strategies to continue to add. Uh, uh, beta to this company. And um, yeah, sure. You're not going to wake up one day and see Sabina trading, you know, five times where it is today, like you can with maybe some of these more binary investment decisions. With that being said, it's, you're not going to wake up one day and it's going to be worth one fifth. True. Have you got the energy to uh, see this through, get into production? Absolutely. This is, uh, this is, you know, it's, Look, it, it, this is the part that gets uh, that that uh, uh, is more exciting uh, uh, for me. Okay, Bruce, good to catch up, mate. Um, it, like I say, it's uh, it's it's very difficult to have conversations with companies like yourself because it seems to have been run with military precision, and you guys have done a lot. I think you've still got a lot of work to do, uh, but I'm excited to uh, sit on the sidelines and watch how you get on. Well. Thank you for inviting us uh, to, to talk about Sabina today. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.